the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get it underway here on a Friday. Chris uh, Corbett is on his way. He said that uh, he'd be here just a few minutes late. I talked to Robert Steinbach. He said he'd be calling in. He hasn't called yet. Hope he hasn't overslept, but uh, he'll be joining us as well. I want to talk to them uh, right off the bat about what happened uh, with the uh, shooter in Florida uh, that uh, was found guilty of murder and then went up uh, and they decided his uh, penal- penalty phase and they didn't give him the death penalty. They gave him life in prison and some woman uh, on the jury, the foreman said, at least one, said that she thought uh, the kid was uh, mentally insane, was mentally insane. And because of that, she couldn't vote for the uh, the death penalty. Now, understand that during the tri- uh, during the trial, and then during the penalty phase, the defense uh, team, and be sure you understand that they knew they had a losing case. They were going to try to save this uh, this kid's life. He's seventeen years old. They're going to try to get him life in prison, and uh, they tried to prove that his mother had uh, some kind of alcohol syndrome uh, when she was, uh, you know, uh, carrying uh, this unborn child. And uh, because of that, that's why he acted out the way he did, although he never showed any signs of impairment because of the mother's alcohol syndrome. uh, you know, intake. Now, Robert has joined us. Robert Steinbach is with us on the phone. Hey, Robert, there was a, a, a mention by one of uh, the analysts of this case who said that if the woman felt there were there was any reason that she could not uh, give a, a, a subject uh, the death penalty, she should have said so. There's a time... Uh, during uh, when they're, they're, they're choosing the jurors, and you have to be honest about that. If you're against the death penalty, you have to see it and uh, say it, and typically that will uh, take you out of the jury pool for the trial. Is this, is this woman, can she be facing any kind of uh, criminal charges because she lied during that phase? You know, it's an interesting question, Dave. You're absolutely right. There is a process in all death penalty cases 
where they pre-screen the jurors to determine whether or not they are theoretically willing to give the death penalty. And if they say up front, I'm not theoretically even willing to give it, uh, then they are bumped from the jury pool. I don't know what the penalty is for lying as part of a jury questionnaire, right? You can lie about many things. You can say, I don't have any relatives who are cops uh-huh. and the cop is on trial and in fact you do and you and you do it so that you can get the cop uh, uh, set free uh, from some criminal charge these days you know an improper shooting that kind of thing meaning we see that type of thing in the press from time to time uh, so I, but i don't know i would presume uh, that that would come under the general heading uh, of a lie of lying to an official um, on a matter of uh, importance. I know there's a federal charge. That's 18 U.S.C. 1001. If a federal investigator comes to speak to you and you lie to him, you've committed a crime. Generally, you're free to lie. You're free to go on the radio, Dave, and lie. Say, I like this movie, and you didn't like the movie. That's no crime. Right. But if a federal investigator questions you, and you lie about something that's considered, quote, material, end quote, uh, then you have now committed a crime. And people get prosecuted for that. We saw that all the time uh, with the Trump administration, other administrations, too, because what happens is, I don't know, somebody leaks a memo, that kind of thing. And the federal investigators go and talk to these people. And they say, well, I didn't do it. Uh, but they're not under oath, and they're not in a trial. That's nonetheless a crime. Huh. So, I, I mean, I was really stunned that they didn't give the kid the death penalty. Let's remember what happened. Uh, the shooter, Nicholas Cruz, uh, has been uh, spared the death penalty now. He was sentenced to life in prison uh, for carrying out the massacre at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida that claimed 17 lives. Uh, Cruz pleaded guilty last year to 17 counts of first-degree murder, 17 counts of attempted first-degree murder in connection to the February 14, 2018, killing of 14 students and three staff members at his former uh, school. Uh, So this was the penalty phase of the trial. They had found him guilty. Now the jury had to figure out how, how are we going to punish this person and uh, evidently, there were three jurors that would not said they would, in, under no circumstances, uh, render the death penalty. Now that tells me some people lied when they were asked that question uh, about whether they should be on the uh, the jury or, or not. I uh, I just I really found this one really uh, uh, crazy, and then to try to use this uh, alcohol syndrome. Uh, of the mother when this uh, kid was being carried by the mother she was pregnant with him is uh, is crazy uh, as well because he had never shown any problems uh, because of the alcohol in the uh, in his unborn state or after he was born one of the uh, parents a mother after she heard what happened i mean evidently the courtroom was stunned uh, when it was read, this uh, this uh, penalty was was uh, uh, read. One of the mo- mothers of one of the students that were killed said, "I sent my 14-year-old daughter to school that day 
never, never, ever thinking I'd never see her again, again and that she would be shot eight times. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking this, these people did big harm to these families that wanted the death penalty. And from what I can tell, all of them did. Well, indeed, Dave. Look, <clears throat> some against the death penalty. They don't believe it's an appropriate punishment. I'm not one of those people. You're not one of those people. We believe the death penalty is an appropriate punishment. I've, I've had my concerns in the past uh, about giving out the death penalty in circumstances where it wasn't entirely, abundantly, etc., clear that the defendant was guilty. Uh, but okay. this is not one of those circumstances, to me at least. Yeah, well, no. I'm on the jury, uh, but, um, uh, you know, at some point, even a lay person, even a person not on the jury, can observe the facts and be confident about them. Uh, so, uh, I disagree with this verdict. It does sound to me, based on what you're describing, that some people on the jury uh, didn't... Uh, decide not to give the death penalty because of the specific circumstances of the case, but rather uh, due to a objection to the death penalty across the board. Yeah, that's if what that's I think. Case, yeah, and if that's the case, uh, that uh, um, violates the law. Yeah. Because, as you say, every juror is supposed to, uh, on a death penalty case, be willing theoretically to impose the death penalty. It sounds like that may not have been the case here, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if, if this juror decided, I can't give the death penalty because he killed 17 people and he must have been insane, uh, you know, that's the way it is if you just kill one person. I think you're nuts mm-hmm. if you kill one person. There's something mentally mm-hmm. off about you if you can uh, take and take the life of an innocent person without any problem. Well, indeed, Dave, you raise a very important point. You raise a distinction here. Let's say the juror said, well, I thought there was something different about this defendant than a typical murderer uh, in his culpability, in the amount of wrongdoing he did, um, meaning not the more people you kill, the less wrongdoing. That can't be true, right? That is counterintuitive. But someone who is willing to kill so many people just out of the blue, not a, uh, uh, an ex-lover as we see in the paper or some other kind of circumstance like that. Um, there must be some mental deficiency that reduces this defendant's blameworthiness. To be clear, I don't agree with that, right? right. But if the juror went through that mental process to come to that conclusion, that juror is allowed to do that, and then the the, the um, penalty is can't be challenged in any way other than we're allowed to agree, disagree with it. We're allowed to disagree with anything. But in terms of legality, that's entirely legal. A jury is entitled to go through that process and come to the conclusion that this person uh, it, it should not be given the death penalty, notwithstanding that Dave Ellswick and Rob Steinbach and many other people perhaps uh, disagree with that evaluation. Yeah, I, I just I just feel for the families. I really do because they do not believe that justice was served. All right, stay around, Robert. We're going to talk more with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, we've got a special guest coming up at nine o'clock, and uh, that's going to be A. F. Branco. 
you see his political cartoons many, many days on uh, the Fox News app. And uh, he's with Creator Syndicate, and he's a he's a conservative political cartoonist, and I believe that he lives in Mississippi. But he's going to join us in the the nine o'clock hour to talk about uh, his uh, profession. And then at nine thirty-five, I'll tell you what I thought about Halloween ends. I saw it last night. I'll tell you exactly what I thought about it uh, at that time and whether it's worth your money when you go to the theater uh, to see uh, the motion pictures that are out this weekend. All right, don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. They're open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6. Go over, visit with Eric Coleman. Go go meet Eric. Talk to him face-to-face, one-on-one, and understand what he tries to do as a jeweler. He's been in the business for 40 years. He's got the highest quality jewelry there at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. There, He takes care of your jewelry for you. I mean, Eric Coleman can repair your jewelry. He can clean your jewelry. He can design your jewelry. And uh, he'll help you figure out what uh, maybe present that you want to buy is best for that significant other that you're buying for. He does it all at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. If you can't get by to see him, you just want to give him a ring, 501-246-3655. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, We've got Robert Steinbach here. He's on by uh, the telephone with us this morning. Chris uh, Corbett sent me a a text and said that he's in his car. He's on his way. He should have been here at about a quarter after. He's running a little late. I don't know what the traffic is out there on Highway 40 coming into Little Rock from Conway. That's where he's at. But he's making his way. But I will tell you this. If you happen to be driving eastbound on I-40 and you look up in your rearview mirror and there's a pair of headlights gaining on you quickly, uh, move over out of the fast lane because that may just be Chris getting moving to get here uh, to be on, on the show. So keep uh, keep that uh, in mind. All right, so, Mr. Steinbach, let me ask this question of you. What do you think about the president's tap dance that he's doing now that the Saudis came out and said, you know, when he came over to ask them about oil and and uh, tried to solidify his, uh, you know, status, the American status with the, uh, the Saudis as allies, and he asked them not to cut back oil production, and now it's it's leaking out that, he actually asked the Saudis if they're going to raise prices because the Saudis have been talking about it and OPEC Plus was talking about it. Please don't do it until after the midterm elections. Doesn't look good for the president. I didn't hear it, but it doesn't surprise me, right? So uh, now why is there not a big uproar about this? Could you imagine if Trump had done something? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's an entirely double standard. And, of course, it also highlights, if true, it highlights Biden's character, which we've seen for the last, what, plus 50 years that he's been in politics. He doesn't care about the people. He doesn't care about the substance. He cares about the politics. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it also highlights something 
ills, and that is he was unsuccessful in doing what he was trying to do. Yeah, they told him no. Right, right. Oh, it's so remarkable. I heard someone on television, uh, some popular, um, meaning some like a comedian or an actor, someone whose opinion doesn't matter when it comes to politics any more than the next guys, but they think they have a louder voice because they happen to be on television all the time. And in some regards, I guess they do in the sense that people get to hear them more than they get to hear the guy at the grocery store. But he would say, oh, you know what it was? It was Moore, um, Michael Moore. Actually, to be fair, Michael Moore is a type of political commentator so he uh, and a documentarian. So perhaps he, he claims some greater legitimacy there, albeit I disagree with his views overwhelmingly. In any event, he would say, look how many good things this guy has done. I keep looking. I I don't see see him. (laughs) Right. I I really don't. I I saw this on Twitter today. Some person was tweeting and saying, look what Trump did. And he he went through this. Oh, I know who it was. It was a former congressman, Kinzinger. Uh, Of course, he's not going to run for Congress again after his term runs out in uh, the beginning of next year. And he, he and Kinzinger basically was saying, "Look at all the things that Trump did." And then I texted back directly to him, uh, saying, "Well, let's look at all the uh, things that uh, Biden has done in the f- less than the first two years of being in office. Uh, inflation is through the ceiling, gas prices are through the ceiling." And I just went on and on, and I said. Uh, but you guys keep on coddling him, and you get, you keep on co- running cover for him. You should be ashamed of yourself. Indeed. But, of course, Kinzinger himself had to be one of the dumbest elected officials <laughs> that we've seen in modern history. Yeah. So, so perhaps his statement uh, is good, because if a dumb politician makes a statement like that, hopefully a good politician makes the opposite statement. Uh, we sure do hope so. Well, at least I, I hope so. All right, so let's change uh, topics here. The uh, House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot is now planning to vote to subpoena former President Donald Trump during uh, Thursday's public hearing. The, more, uh, the move is to subpoena Trump, and it's been under consideration for some time, they said, uh, sources familiar with the committee's plans uh, told that to NBC. The uh, planned vote will work the uh, boldest step yet for the bipartisan panel, which was so far issued more than 100 subpoenas, interviewed more than 1,000 people over the course of its investigation. Trump is thought to be highly unlikely to willingly cooperate with the committee, which he repeatedly decried as a politically motivated witch hunt, which I think is adequate in his uh, description of January 6th. I personally say that it's nothing more than a a star chamber because they're not allowing any defense uh, for Trump or anybody else that they're saying are guilty of trying to uh, overthrow the uh, the American government, which is just crap. I mean, look, we all know what a coup looks like, all right? Tanks and the whole nine yards with the military, you know, walking into whatever the the, the halls of power are and, 
and deposing uh, the president or the whoever it is, whatever the name they give them, you know, uh, for their title of being the heads of a country. This was no coup. It's just amazing to me that the, Amer- that the American people are that dumb. And I don't think it's that they're dumb. I just think there's some people that just hate Trump so badly that they'll call anything, anything uh, to try to make the man look bad. Dave, it's a really important point. And that is, there was a riot. Yes. There was criminal behavior. There was, there was uh, breaking of property. Uh, Entering places where people were told you're not permitted to enter, pushing through doors. Those are all, that's all criminal behavior. Largely sort of under the general category, what we would call criminal mischief. Uh I use that term intentionally because crime it is, but words like mischief don't sort of suggest that the sky is falling. What it wasn't was an insurrection. That's correct. What it wasn't was a coup. What do those things reflect, those words? Those words reflect the intention to overthrow a government. Well, how exactly do you overthrow a government by breaking into the legislature? Right? The, the, the government isn't operated by the legislature. All right. I need, I need, I need, you, need you to hold you your thought. I'll gonna, do it. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. I'll let you finish up as we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show, the January 6th committee looking to subpoena the former president. Guess who's in the studio? I told him I was looking forward to seeing him again. Chris Corbett is here. And on phone, Robert Steinbach is here. Of course, let me remind you, Robert is a... Uh, uh, professor of law at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily of the uh, law school or the uh, university to which they um, belong or don't belong, probably, because, uh, <laughs> you know, Ro- Robert Robert is a conservative. And, man, it's hard, it's hard to find a conservative amongst the hallways, I believe, of uh, Bowen School of Law, amongst the faculty and the people who run that institution. But that's just you can't that's just find me. it. You can't find it with a stick and a, a and a spotlight. I got Can I add to that, uh, Dave? That uh, I'm honored. I'm truly honored and blessed uh, that the Democrat Gazette newspaper has asked me to do a guest stint as a columnist. So I'll be doing a series of columns for them every Sunday now. Uh, for a period of time, uh, and it's really an honor and a privilege. Cool. Well, very good. Yeah. I'm glad that I uh, I groomed you for them. Indeed, although I'm not sure we're allowed to use the word grooming. Anymore, <laughs> yeah, what is, David, you what do you say, groom? That I, well, I don't think are appropriate. Thank you very much. That's the hot topic right now. Anyway. I tell you. Uh, uh, this is so much fun because these are the shows that I miss even when I'm on vacation. And I was having a good vacation. I'm not going to lie about that. I laid on the beach several days. I was gone for two weeks, and and Chris and I were just talking. You know, a one-week vacation is just not enough. It takes you several days to decompress so you can start relaxing during your vacation. And then you got to start pressuring up again as you get ready to come back. So maybe you get one or two days at the most during that one week. That's right. With two weeks, you get enough time that, man, 
I I did not see four o'clock in the morning any day that I was on vacation. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I I saw eight thirty in the morning, right. but I didn't see any eight you know any four o'clock in the morning. Nothing was open. I thought you know normal people don't get up at four o'clock. <laughs> anyway, the streets are bare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dave, we've never thought you were normal, whether or not you get up at 4.30 in the morning. Let's just make that part clear. Okay, well, I love that. All right, let me mention another thing about this January 6th, uh, you know, commission, the, the Star Chamber, as I call it, because oh, yeah. they're not letting anybody present any kind of uh, evidence, any kind of uh, testimony that doesn't go along with the testimony they want to do. By the way, I want people to understand something. They didn't call these people in, for the most part, and sit them down in front of a microphone and just talk to them and, and get their, uh, their, their thoughts on what happened on January 6th. They r- recorded, they video recorded uh, the time that they uh, brought people in and asked them questions, and then they only showed... The answers they wanted you to see. And then I don't know how much they may have cut out of the answers that they were given to, to meet the, you know, the uh, narrative that they were trying to prove. Vice Chair Liz, Liz Cheney, who is a Republican in name only by a long shot and who will not be running uh, for Congress again out in Wyoming. She was beaten, in, beaten like a bad drum she got whooped. in the uh, Wyoming primary. Reminded viewers at the top of the hearing that the committee may ultimately decide to make criminal referrals to the Justice Department, adding that the panel's role, now I want you to listen to this, isn't to prosecute, but to recommend reform. So why are you going to make criminal referrals to the Justice Department if you're not wanting to prosecute, but just to make reforms? And you were talking about all of this, Robert, when we took our break. Your thoughts on what you hear from her? Well, to be fair, it's not unheard of for a legislative committee to make criminal referrals as part of their investigative process, albeit their primary goal is legislative. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, does it seem like there's any legislative goal in this at all, <laughs> or does it seem entirely driven uh, by the purpose, by the intention of those on that committee to make criminal referrals? And if it is indeed that latter, which it seems to be, that's outside the scope of what a legislative committee should be doing. Now, in the end, there's no one to stop them. There's no process to stop that. But it is outside the scope of what they should be doing. Yeah. Here's something that I had. Everybody was talking about. Now, I haven't watched more than 30 seconds of this. Because if you're not going to hear from the other side, then, again, I'm referring this as being the star chamber. This this reminds me of when I was growing up of what we heard that went down in Russia. You know, people were brought, like Gary Powers, when he was shot down in the U-2, and they put him on trial over in oh, Russia, yeah. and they put him in the they put him in that little cage-like thing that they had him, and he didn't get to say squat. He didn't get to, he didn't get to sneeze unless they allowed him to. And uh, that's what you think of when you think of Russia. Well, that's what's happening right now and has been happening since the summer 
up in the halls of Congress. They've been they've been doing it the Russian way. I think I'm going to put it that way. Oh, I think you're as, right. As, as far as that, but they showed these uh, this video of uh, Schumer and uh, Pelosi trying to call people to come help them at the. Did you see this? I missed at that the Capitol. Okay, yeah. so they showed it. Here's my question. Why were there cameramen with them when they were under attack other than they wanted to put on a pretty picture show for everybody? I mean, look, the guy who who's leading this commission for him is a former big ABC News guy that produced the ABC newscast. No kidding. Yes. Interesting. It's showbiz, folks. Yeah. This is all showbiz. Does that... Does that not does that bother you, Robert? Well, listen. I don't know all, all the underlying facts. Politicians often have cameramen surrounding them at all times for various reasons. But with that said, it, the, this January sixth commission clearly is show business. Yeah, clearly is uh, for political purposes. It is not. It is not for legislative purposes. We can tell that, and we can tell that in part because they constantly are referring to the events of January 6th as an insurrection. Really? (laughs) We saw on television the attempted overthrow of the government. That's right. You took over the entire building, the entire Capitol building. What levers of government are you operating? (laughs) You can't enact the law. You can't send out the military. You can't stop the executive brands from acting it's not a coup it's silly indeed to suggest otherwise but that's the histrionics of the left yeah i guess i guess burt lancaster and uh uh kirk douglas uh if they were still alive god bless their souls they were great actors would have loved to done this as uh, seven days in may <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, just, I'm just saying. You're talking about a movie, wanna, making, making a movie out of it. Yeah, we're, we're tail wagging the dog. I love it. Yeah, right, that's exactly. They're gaslighting the American people. Yeah. on our dime. That's yeah. what really bothers me. Well, it's it's definitely not a hearing. You're not hearing from the other side, right? You're not getting um, a cross examination. I, I was. It just hit me what you said. They're, you're right. They're playing videos. They're not bringing people in there and having people question them. Edited yeah. videos. There you go. <laughs> one-sided. This is one-sided You better time. believe it. This is Star Chamber stuff. It is. It, 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 and if you haven't seen that movie, you need to watch it. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, I, I'll, I'll give you a list of movies you should, like the Parallax View and some other ones that you should check in. Yes. Parallax View with Warren Beatty. Oh yeah. Uh, what was what was the one that had Gene Hackman? He was the guy who, who would listen in on people. The conversation that oh. was another great movie. I gotta write these down. And there's all kinds of great movies about that, and and people don't turn out when I show them as classics because it's not you know shoot 'em up bang bang kind of stuff, and and because of that, and it makes them think. I don't want to go to the movie and think. No, uh, I just want my popcorn and my drink. <laughs> that's that's yeah, all I want. The, uh, the good popcorn. Yes. Sorry. Do you recall the movie from the 70s, The Cassandra Crossing? Yes. Right. So there's a movie. So folks, who who can that. forget Sophia Loren? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, and uh, Richard Harris. Yeah. And um, 
I forget the other, the, the most famous actor whose name I forget. Now. Was it Michael Caine? Um, no, it's not Michael Caine. Okay. Although Michael Caine is in so many movies, yeah. I went and looked at some of my home movies, and I see him walking in the background. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Can't he's, help himself, right? He's done a lot of stuff. There's no doubt about that, and he's one of the best. I, I just happened to flip on the channel the other day and was catching the end of uh, uh, the one where the uh, the meteorite was going to hit the Earth. Which one? In, with, with Will? Uh, no, no. With, uh, the with guy that slapped that guy? Tia, Tia, Tia Leone and uh, different people were in it. And oh. uh, they were trying to stop it. Of course, the president was, uh, what's his name, the guy who does God on the Discovery Channel, you know, oh. when, the, when he talks about religions and stuff. But anyway, uh, they were they were doing this, this that, that, that whole movie, and, huh. and I was watching it, and I... And I said, I love this movie, <laughs> but it has one of my favorite m- movie actors in it. And I'm I'm make I'm trying to do word salad here to give me time to remember his name again. Uh, Open Range, uh, The Godfather, and all the movies that he's been in and been around. Al Pacino? No, not Al Pacino. Not Al Pacino. Uh-huh. I'll come up with it. I'll mm. come up with it. He's a great actor, though. He's an American actor. He's a great Amer. He's a he's a conservative. And he's a he's a great uh, great guy. Got his his start in *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Okay, okay. He played uh, Warren Beatty. He played no, not Warren Beatty. <laughs> Chris, you really I, have to stop. I, I, I said great American conservative. All right, that is not Warren Beatty. Guess as to your ignorance instead of knowing about it. <laughs> Just come on, man! Wow! Oh my gosh! Hey, you're gonna love this. Uh, Guess who I had on with me yesterday there, Mr. Uh, Steinbach? Who? Mr. Who's Mc, Mr. McCutcheon. Oh, nice. And I was oh, talking. Yeah. I, told, I told him I might call him. I'm, I'm going to call him, I think, during the 7 o'clock hour yes. so that you two that you two can talk about on the air uh, some changes that you would like seen, see made to FOIA here in the state of Arkansas, like if they don't have the... The uh, material that you're asking for, they got to tell you they don't have the material. Well, did you see my uh, speaking, as I mentioned uh, in the previous segment, my first column as part of this guest stint with the Democrat Gazette came out this past Sunday. Of course, my next one will be this Sunday. And the first one is on the Freedom of Information Act Ah. and some of the good laws that we passed, some of the good legislators who helped pass those laws. And some of the laws that we still need to pass and some of the organizations that every day work against transparency for you and me. So yeah. if, you, if you missed my column this past Sunday, uh, pull it up on the interweb, as we like to say, uh, and take a look at it on the Democrat Gazette website. Well, I definitely – Robert Duvall, by the way, is who I was thinking of. Oh, uh, there you go. But the, bo- you go. the bottom line is, uh, yeah, I – there are people who want to destroy FOIA. I, I got to think Mayor Scott really wants to destroy oh, FOIA yeah. about Indeed, now, right. you know, as far Indeed. as that's concerned. But anyway, uh, it's and, and maybe even Superintendent of Schools and Cabot uh, Thurman, Superintendent Thurman. Oh, and, would, and, would, and don't forget uh, Sheriff Eric Higgins. Yeah. I've never seen someone who has more uh, tried to undermine the FOIA. I have a case 
uh, representing, Chris and I have a case representing a client who didn't get any documents uh, from the, uh, the sheriff. No, that's not true. Out of the thousands, thousands of documents that they turned over after we sued them. That's right. I think they gave us one record before. Right. So, right. well, you know, and now they claim, well, we complied. All right. All right. Robert, hold your hold yep. your hold your power, your powder. We'll, we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget about PI roofing and home solutions. They do, do just roofs. They do construction now. They do windows, they do gutters, they do siding. They do everything for your home. And uh, we all know how good they are on roofs. Just about everybody I ever talked to will tell you if they've had a roof done by PI Roofing, they know they had the best roofing company on their house taking care of business. As PI Roofing, you can uh, visit them by calling them and talking to them at 501-707-3115 or visit them online at piroofing.com. You think I have any clue what we were talking about in your room? That's normally me, Rob, yeah. with my ADD. All right. So, okay, what? Squirrel. Okay, so let me bring up something that happened yesterday. You, you're going to love this. You know Jimmy Clavin. Jimmy is an yeah, FO. He's a he's an FOI warrior as well. He's on my mm-hmm. show on Thursdays. I had right. him on after I came back from vacation yesterday, and he had some really interesting material for us here on the show. Uh, a lot of people have heard rumors. Uh, that the um, the mayor had gotten stopped for DUI uh, mm-hmm. a few years back. He refuses to talk about it. The case was sealed by the judge, so you can't get anything on it. Well, it just so happened, a lot of people now know Jimmy. They know that he'll get the information out, and he'll take the heat, and they don't have to. But somebody over in Sherwood where he was stopped from the police department, we don't know who it was, but dropped the original uh, uh, material from that arrest and that he had been, uh, he had denied taking, he, he, he said that he would not take a breath analyzer test. And if you do that here in the state of Arkansas, that's like admitting guilt. You're that's found, right. You're found guilty of DUI. It's one year, one year suspended yeah, sentence. That's yeah, right. one year. So one year, no driver's They license. did that. Uh, he did that, and then out of nowhere, uh, Jimmy was told by a company that was working on the mayor's car that they put an interlock device on his car, which means you got to blow in it and prove that you're not inebriated, uh, and your and your engine will start then. So. You know, you ask the, uh, the, the mayor about it, he won't talk about it. Now, my question for both of you, we've got four minutes here. Let's try to answer the question in four minutes. What would, what would drive a judge to close the records on a case like that? That you can't even get them. That's a good question. I've I've, I've sealed a bunch of uh, clients' records, and it needs to be. I believe it's uh, it's five years and complete all your sentence before you can even think about sealing it. So to make a to fully answer that question, I'd have to see the record. But something doesn't. You can't smell. see the record. That's right. Something doesn't smell good here, Dave. Yeah, I'm just telling you. So uh, say anyway, what? Yeah. So you know, this is the same thing I said. Yeah. 
that they're keeping the the information out of the the eyes of the public because the mayor doesn't want to answer the question about yeah. being stopped for a DUI. But what do you think about this? Why is this law even around, Robert? Well, as Chris mentioned, and Chris did these cases, I've never done one. We have the ability to seal records. After a certain point, if an individual has demonstrated uh, that he has not come in conflict with the law, it's a way to sort of uh, quasi-pardon the person. It's not a pardon, let me be clear, but it's somewhere in between. It's, well, you've committed this crime, but we're not going to let the public see it any longer because enough time has passed in which you've behaved well uh, that we want to give you an extra benefit if you apply for it and qualify for it. Now that sounds, that sounds like good old boy stuff to me. It can be, That's... but it can also be the flip side, right, to be clear. Someone, you know, 15 years out, uh, committed uh, some sort of crime that would disqualify him, say, uh, to own a, a gun, uh, to buy a firearm, and it was a... A conviction, yes, but not of a dramatically serious crime, let's say. And he's done a lot of good things, and so he wants to clean that up. Uh, maybe sealing the record uh, achieves that goal. I don't know, by the way, whether sealing a record allows you to satisfy the rules for buying guns. So don't take it as, <laughs> as meaning that. But I, okay. I describe that. To, to simply say, it, this is a type of a, um, underlying philosophy behind sealing records. To allow people to do certain things that an unsealed record would prevent them from doing, uh, and they've demonstrated a good character uh, during that time. All right. So that's the reason behind it. All right. Well, I'm going to talk more about this, and we'll get uh, we'll get Chris to talk about it because he's worked cases like this, and he can give us more insight on it. Plus, Joey McCutcheon, when we give him a call, going to have him on. We want to talk about uh, the FOIA Act. You wrote a, a, a big op-ed about it. We want to uh, talk about it when we come back. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, stick around. 101.1 FM, The Answer. o'clock hour final hour with robert steinbach who is a law professor over at the bowen school of law he of course uh his opinions are his and his alone not necessarily of the bowen school of law or the university to which they belong and probably will not be the ones that they uh, ascribe to just so you'll know and then uh, chris uh, corbett is here practicing attorney uh up in uh, the conway area he is a he is a real Arkansan. He is. He was born, raised, and and learned his ways here in the uh, state of Arkansas. And of course, uh, I want to make sure everybody understands that that uh, Robert doesn't just teach. He also practices as well. Because I don't want anybody saying, "Yeah, you know what they say about those uh, people who just teach." You know, if you if you can't do it, then teach. You know. <laughs> 
That's right, and that doesn't apply to Steinbuck. I'm no. here to tell you, brother. No, he's I've seen there. him in the courtroom. He's out fighting a good fight, doing it the way you're supposed to do it. I've okay. heard that. Uh, what is that? What do you call that? Colloquialism. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you can't do, then you teach. Teach, yeah, whatever. Well, we say that in the broadcast industry a lot. Oh, they do. Yeah, they especially do. for people that they're not on the air. Or they were never on the air. Oh, they're and, behind the scenes, and they're you know behind the and they're running a radio station, uh-huh. or uh, uh, they're one of the guys that go to the radio stations and tell them how they should run it. Uh, <laughs> and if, if they can't make it doing any of those, then right. they teach. You know, they yeah. teach. So anyway, that we used to make fun about that. All right. So anyway, uh, let me get back to something we were talking about at the end of the last hour, and that was the sealing of records. Yeah. Explain this to us, Chris. I mean, Robert, I thought I understood what he was saying. Right. You know, maybe you haven't, maybe it's something that you did that, quote, wasn't all that bad. Yeah. But who makes the decision about what you've done that isn't so bad. I mean, there's people out there that might say, oh, yeah, he diddled with a little boy, but that's not that bad. You <laughs> okay. know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Okay, now, what I do know is there isn't some exceptions to sealing a record. Okay. One of them is sex crimes. Okay, well, that's so good. I'm glad to hear that. can't seal that record. And, and there's some other exemptions in there, and I'm going off of memory, and when I do these, I go straight to the statute, and I go down the line. It's from, from This is from memory, so I could be wrong, but it's five years after the crime has been done. You have to complete all the sentence, pay all your fines back, complete probation, and then and you're stating this in the pleading. I have completed all my fines. I have uh, come off probation. It's been five years. The client is signing that and the lawyer is signing that, attesting to all these things that the court is going to trust you on because the attorney is an officer of a court per the statute, and he has a duty of candor to the judge because the judge doesn't I mean people think the judge knows the law no that's what your lawyer's there for the lawyer's there for to tell the judge what the law is and if the judge is like kind of confused on it or listening to both sides well, well opposing counsel what do you have to say to this uh he a good judge will say okay i'm gonna need y'all gonna need to brief this uh, brief it and then um and when they say brief it could be 20 page yeah, articles right yeah, it yeah. ain't brief it doesn't mean that it's short right. And then the judge will render a decision. But the the lawyer is the one that's knowing the law. He knows the facts. He's attesting to this is what happened. This is when the crime was committed. It's been five years. We'd like to seal the record. And the judge takes it into consideration, and then he seals the record. And then that order literally goes to the ACIC, the Arkansas Crime Information Center of Arkansas, and they seal the record. Now, law enforcement agents still have access to those sealed records. And um, but if you do a search, a public search, none of that's going to come up, and um, that's the benefit of the seal, sealing the record because people make mistakes, people do dumb things, and so there's a mechanism for folks to be able to legitimately seal the record. Now, what you're telling me from what happened with Frank Scott, something stinks here based mm-hmm. on my knowledge of how to seal the record. Well, number one, I don't know if this was five years ago. Exactly. 
It I could, need to find that out. Yeah. So, and um, I'll pull the statute and, and I'll call Jimmy and ask him. Yeah. So he'll we'll, tell me what the exact date was. Yeah. If there's something nefarious going on there, that ain't right. Come mm-hmm. on. And, and then it will seal the record because I'm running for office. Oh, I bet. Hey, I got to seal this record because I'm going to run for office. Yeah. No. When you no. When you run for office, which Rob and I have done now, we didn't just talk to talk. We walked to walk. Right. Your, your life is public. It's an open book. What did you do? What happened? How'd you respond? Maybe you were an idiot. You yeah. Know, so, um, things to think about. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, I I'm going to look into it. So I'm. Running, I will report back. Let's run this down. All yeah. right? Because and FOIA is how you find this stuff out. And FOIA I'll, is so I'll get that other information about how many years it's been. It's, let's. Yeah. I'll let's get, do it. I'll get all of. I want to see some of that paperwork. All right. That sounds good. That's very very good. All right. Uh, by the way, we don't have to take a break yet, but we're going to. When we do. I'm going to call Joey McCutcheons. Oh, good. Uh, and we'll talk about FOIA. Uh, you know, we'll talk about FOIA. How's that sound to you, Mr. Steinbach? Well, I, I know you hate to talk about FOIA. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> uh, Rob and I were just in Judge Fox's courtroom litigating some FOIA stuff, and we had opposing counsel misquote the law, and we're still fighting it right now. She misquoted the law. Uh, we've got it in the pleadings, and the judge took it as took it as gospel law. Huh. He's like, yeah, the judge said, if that's what it says, then I'm going to go with that. Wait, what? Steinbuck to his credit. Well, it's even worse than that. Yeah. Right? It's Stein- even worse than that. Go. Steinbuck she to misquoted his credit. the law. Yeah. I objected. I said, that's, that's not the law. Yeah. And she, uh, um, then we filed a brief the next day to say, wait a second, something just happened in court that was wrong. And she right. said, oh, I didn't say that. And then we got the transcript. Yeah. And it's exactly what she said. Verbatim. We got the transcript. And the judge even said, now, wait a minute. That's what the law says? Opposing counsel. Yes. Oh, okay, then that's what we're going to go with. Wait a minute. Your Honor, hold up. I know that case. We were both looking at each other going, that's not what that case says, was it? Anyways. um, And that's what also spurred this lawsuit that was just filed this week. Now, no way. now, you haven't yeah. been back before Fo- Judge Fox, evidently. So we now, have not been so back now he may have to reverse what he said. We hope, but we may, we're going to ask him to recuse because Rob and I filed another lawsuit on the officer of the court and guns in the courtroom this time. This time, the judge has made an issue of not only the courthouse, but the courtroom. He okay. put a sign outside his courtroom that misquotes the law. I mean, literally move the words around in the statute. I, last time I looked, I didn't think the judicial branch could be rearranging words in a statute. That's the legislative branch. Words have no meaning anymore, Chris. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Robert? It's as if uh, we got to learn a new language, and then you learn it, and they change the word, you know, the words again for you. Yeah. Well, to the left. Yes, <laughs> always, <laughs> always the left to the left. Takes language and uh, decides. We don't like what that means. So they say, well, it means the opposite. Yeah, but it doesn't, right? Up still means up and down still means down. Not, not, like not anymore, outcome. it doesn't. Right? Not if we don't like that outcome. Rob, that's, that's right. a fantastic point. The words that he moved around gave the government more power. That's there how he moved these words around. And not only that, he claimed it's a felony. It's not a felony. It's a misdemeanor. Here's the other thing: is it? It yeah. gave him more power, but it also took away your rights. It did. Oh, one hundred percent. That exactly did. Yeah. Words mean things for a specific reason. Yeah. It's yeah. so that we can have a conversation and know what each of us are saying. And I've been saying for years now: 
whenever you use a term that the left is using, yeah. make sure you're using the same lexicon. Oh, man. You might have the same dictionary, but the lexicon may be totally different. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, when you were, state, when you were stating, making that statement there, I was thinking the Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments, those things are in order for a reason. Number one, You mean the Ten Suggestions? Yeah. <laughs> number one, freedom of speech. Yes. That's what we're talking about. It's under attack. And then number two, the right to bear arms. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and uh, talk further about uh, the law, talk about uh, what's going on in courtrooms. We're going to talk for you. And we're going to, Joey told me he'd be up if I called him at 630, so I'm waiting until awesome. a little after 7. He's, he's got his cup of coffee, and he'll be ready to join us when we come back. Don't forget about East End Towing. We're going to talk. Uh, I'm going to talk about them for just a moment. Uh, let's say your car breaks down inside a highway. Who are you going to call? Well, not Ghostbusters. You're going to call East End Towing. You want to call the people who know what to do in any given situation to solve your problem, right? Uh, 501-888-8849. I mean, look, if you've got a legal problem, uh, you know, you killed your wife and you need some somebody to... To, to you know represent you you don't look to get the dog catcher uh to show up at the courtroom with you uh 501-888-8849 is the number but maybe it's not your car maybe your car is running but uh the trailer that you're pulling your boat with something goes wrong there or you're draw you're, you're pulling your trailer behind your car and um, maybe a bearing goes out on one of the wheels and you can't pull it what do you do then well that's when you really get to get uh, the folks at east end towing involved because no matter the situation east end towing can handle it has all the answers the phone number is 501-888-8849 that's 501-888-8849 we'll be back in a moment I'm hoping to have uh, Joey McCutcheonson with us as well, and we'll sit back and listen to him and Robert talk about FOIA when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, we're looking at about 20 minutes after 7 o'clock right now. Don't forget, coming up at 9.06, we're going to have uh, AF uh, uh, Branco is going to be with us. You've seen his political cartoons on on Fox News. You've seen him on their website. Cool. Well, he's going to join us today for about 20 minutes, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about how he got to where he is now. He's with the uh, creators, uh, folks that uh, uh, publish his uh, particular uh, political cartoons. So we'll talk to him. And, uh, I'm, you know, he's kind of like a talk host in a way. And what he does, and right now, it's a target-rich environment. Let's just oh, man. let me just put it that yeah. way, and that—that's exactly what uh, I'm going to talk to him a little bit about. All right. Yesterday, if you listened to the show, I had Jimmy Cavan on, and his lawyer was on with him. Nice uh, from Fort Smith, and that is uh, Joey McCutcheons, and uh, and about some things that are going on over in Cabot. And Robert knows that there's a lot of kind of mm, kind of interesting things going on in <laughs> Cabot now, and so I I asked uh, Joey to come on with us today, and he was having his coffee. 
as he said he would be doing this morning, and he joins us right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good morning, Joey. Thanks for the time. And I, I wanted to get both of you guys on, you and Robert, because you guys want to tighten up the, uh, the, 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 the language on the FOIA law, correct? We do, yeah. Morning, Robert. Morning, Dave. All right. Good to have you with hey, us. Joe. All right. So let me just turn over to you, uh, uh, Robert. Joey said that you guys need to work on tightening up on the FOIA about when uh, you FOIA somebody and maybe they don't have what it is that you're looking for, whether through their malfeasance or whatever, that they need to tell you that they don't have what it is that you're asking for. Is is this something that you and Joey have been talking about for some time, or is this something new? And and if so, why uh, is this so important? Let's start with you, Robert, and then I'll go, I'm going to come over to you, Joey. Go ahead. Well, I'm not sure the issue is them telling you that they don't have it. Generally, if you make a FOIA request and they don't have a record, they tell you we have no responsive records. The problem there is sometimes they lie about that. <clears throat> I think the real problem is that you make a request for records and they claim they're exempt uh, but they don't tell you necessarily which exemption applies. There should be a requirement that they invoke the specific exemption that applies. Now, some agencies do that uh, nonetheless, uh, but I think we need to add that requirement to the Freedom of Information Act itself. All right. And yesterday, it seemed like this was something that you found or thought was very important, Joey. I'll let you take off now. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's one issue. Certainly what Robert says is I totally agree with that also. But, you know, for example, in this Cabot case, you know, we're, it, it's like uh, playing hide-and-seek here. Well, you know, please, just, just tell us uh, where this public vote occurred. Tell us when it occurred. occurred. Uh, and so I foia the prosecutor yesterday afternoon, uh, had a conversation with the deputy prosecutor who, who – uh, wanted to act like that that i was crazy for asking him some questions after he accused jimmy cavin of a crime and uh so i i want to know uh, just produce the video produce the minute produce uh <laughs> produce something that shows me that there was a public vote uh on this resolution that creates this whopping salary uh for a superintendent and i'm sure that that after three days, not two days, but probably after three days, they'll they'll give me some silly answer about look at the website, which which I've done extensively, uh, and won't produce anything. Just tell me that there's nothing responsive. Uh, I think it's a minor correction. I think the the bigger one in my my estimation, Robert, that that you put so much time on and we work have worked together on is. The definition of a meeting after the the Wade case, which yep. the Supreme Court uh, destroyed the definition of a meeting, uh, I think that it's only it's only fair that the legislature do its job and create a definition of a of a meeting. It's fair not only to the citizens of Arkansas but also uh, those governing bodies, because I don't think anybody knows. Uh, exactly what the definition of a meeting is in Arkansas. Now, let me ask this of you, uh, Joey. I'll let you answer, and then, Robert, I'll come, I'll come back to you. Uh, this is a really, really important law, the FOIA laws, uh, to, to keep us transparent 
of knowing what our elected officials are really up to. Uh, it's to keep them. It's to get away from those smoke-filled back rooms that we used to have. And I, 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 I was well alive during those times. I can tell you, coming from the Chicago area, things were decided behind behind the scenes and things of that nature. Uh, this is really an important law. It's 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 necessary, but a lot of these people don't keep that law i mean we can look at the mayor of little rock and he's not keeping this law it is it a willful denial or is it that people just don't understand the law because you got people who came in and they're working in uh, the legal sense and they don't know all the laws do, do they do training programs for all these people so they understand what that what FOIA is and that now it's got teeth, and it can end up biting you in the butt if you don't follow it. You want me to go first here? I'll let you, yeah. I'm <laughs> Tear it up. It, it took Tear me, it up. It took me a moment to get through that, but, yeah, you go first. Go ahead. Well, I, I, think, I think you have both willful actors. I believe that the mayor of Little Rock is a is – a, uh, is willfully violating FOIA, and I think on the other hand, you have those who just have no understanding of FOIA, and they violate FOIA too. And I think if you're going to hold public office, there needs to be a training requirement. I don't know if Robert would agree with this, but I think there there that's another change, another proactive change. Seems like we're always reactive on FOIA when they're trying to take away from it. I think training. Requiring a certain amount of training is critical, uh, and uh, make them do it. Yeah. Uh, the, in, in every case that, that I think Robert and I have been involved in, if we do find a FOIA violation, one of the requirements in any settlement is you get training. And yes. Huntsville, Huntsville was a classic example. Uh, where all those kids were were abused, uh, and and they pretty much just just go through the motions. You know, they miss the deadline on it, and then it, the media calls them a day after and says, "Did you do the training?" And they're like, "Oh, the training. I, were we supposed to do training?" <laughs> <laughs> well, Bro- yeah. Joey, Rob, and I have long suspected that there is some training out there, and it's the municipal league teaching city governments and county governments how to avoid it yes they have a standard i said rob i'm getting some standard language here from different parts of the state um your four-year request i'm sorry your four-year request is not specific enough to allow us to note to locate the records i said i've gotten that from three different people it, where are they getting this standard language? Mm-hmm. It's coming from well, we suspect it's coming from the municipal league. Okay, and it's an. Um, by the way, I got uh, I had a client contact me, and when I say client, <clears throat> these are random phone calls that I get. Right, I had a random phone call from someone who forwarded me a response from uh, I think it was a either a police department or a school district. Uh-huh. I think a police department, uh, and they uh, and they used exactly that bogus excuse. The person said, I want emails from John Smith to Jane Doe, I mean, real names, but I don't remember and I don't care, um, uh, for this six-month period. Can you think of something more specific? I mean, it's pretty narrow. They said, well, that's not specific enough. That's not specific enough? You're not even reading the request. All right. So I wrote back. I got it. I got I got you. You got to hold your powder. 
I'll remind you what you were talking about when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 1011 FM, The Answer. But it's still a rom-com movie. Yeah. I mean, we're talking movies, Robert. What a big surprise during the break. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about Sandra Bullock, and we were talking about Three Days at a Condor. Do you remember that movie? Of course I remember that movie. Okay. A fantastic movie. It was a great... The book is... Did you know that the book is Five Days of the Condor? No. They cut two days off for the movie. <laughs> no kidding. No, they didn't. They yeah. only had so many millions of dollars. Robert Redford's a pretty expensive guy to get into your movie, so... They had to figure out how to get him. And Faye Dunaway, when she was still looking really good, I'm going to be do. I'm going to do my misogynistic thing here, guy, uh, ladies. If it bothers you, put fingers in your ear right now. She was hot. I'm just saying she was hot at that time. Oof. All right, all right, Joey McCutcheon. <laughs> Joey, you had no idea you were walking into this kind of stuff. Uh, he's joined us today from over in Fort Smith. We're talking about FOIA. Let's go back to you, Robert. You were talking about FOIA. And so was Chris saying that the Municipal League, he thinks, are out uh, telling uh, different uh, groups how to avoid, uh, you know, doing the whole FOIA thing. Uh, yeah, indeed. So uh, my client got back this response that said, this, uh, when he asked, give me the emails from John Smith to Jane Doe for this six-month period, well, that's not specific enough. You know, they might as well write back, that's a banana. That's how responsive <laughs> it is. So uh, I, I wrote uh, and I asked to speak with the attorney for that agency. Uh, like I said, I think it was either a police agency or a school. Uh, and I said, and, and the, the lawyer, so the lawyer writes me back and basically parrots the same nonsensical excuse. And my response was, we can have a conversation when you stop saying nonsense, when you stop being ridiculous. Because if this is the position you want to start with, I'm not going back and forth. I'm not here to teach you what's obvious. I'll go straight to court. And all of a sudden, well, then he said, well, okay, uh, oh, yes, we can, <laughs> I, I can agree to that on this. But what about this other word in this other sentence? Oh, okay, I'll address that now, now that you stop saying the stupid Right, right. And and so, Joey, do you think that there's kind of an underlying thing going on that they, they, they're trying to teach people how to circumvent the FOIA? Oh, I think there's no question about it. And I think not only is the Municipal League trying to teach people how to defeat FOIA, uh, they're teaching legislators, legislators how to, how to uh, defeat FOIA in, in the legislative arena. And Robert will remember a case up in Fayetteville uh, that we tried uh, regarding critical race theory that they pulled that same nonsense, to use your word, Robert, uh, we don't have any documents, and you're not specific enough. Okay, Robert and I filed suit. Within, what what was it, Robert, about a week, they produced 8,000 documents? Yes. And, yeah, and ten, then, ten minutes we, later, exactly. And, and then we ended up going to court anyway, tried the case, FOIA violation, but if you don't show them you mean business, uh, they're going to run roughshod over the citizens of Arkansas. And some do it intentionally, and some do it just because they don't know. Uh, but I think there's got to be teeth in FOIA. We've got to have the legislature put some teeth in FOIA for these individual actors out here, like the mayor of Little Rock, who wants to willfully violate FOIA. He needs to pay the piper 
personally, right. in some form or fashion. That's right, Joey. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I've got a, a story well, on that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Well, I was just going to say, in the case that Chris and I have regarding Eric Higgins, the sheriff of Pulaski County, who, who's never seen a public document that he's willing to turn over, it seems. Right. Uh, here's what the, the attorney for Eric Higgins, mind you, by the way, the attorney for Eric Higgins is it Pulaski County's attorney? They went and hired one of these tall building lawyers sure at $300 an hour who's billed some $11,000 that you're paying for. And you know what she said? Well, she said, oh, well, your client has made a whole bunch of other FOIA requests. Okay. And so, and, and so for the FOIA requests that we didn't turn over any records on, well, that's just a small piece of all the records we have turned over when your client has made requests. So... All in all, we've complied. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. You, you've literally violated a FOIA request, and so you want to point to a time where you did it right and use that as cover for when you break in the law? This Nonsense. It's kind of make-believe mm -hmm. that the government repeatedly, repeatedly does under bad actors like Eric Higgins. Eric Higgins is a bad actor doing bad things every day for the county of Pulaski, and he needs to go because he's not transparent. Mayor King Scott ain't transparent. These people are lying to you every single day. Yeah, and you need to know that. And the only way you're going to know it is through FOIA. Right. I think everybody understands that. Yeah, when, and the problem, Dave, is that we want normal citizens to be making FOIA requests. I, I met Joey in Hot Springs at one of the, um, the FOIA uh, groups put together, and, and Joey said something very – it kind of struck me. He said, if you hadn't made a FOIA request – then you're not doing your duty as a citizen. So we're teaching citizens how to make FOIA requests. But how is a citizen going to respond to a city attorney or a county attorney or a state attorney that responds with, well, your request isn't specific enough, and it doesn't limit it to a time frame? Yeah, Wait, up, what? up your nose with a rubber hose, basically. Yeah, they go, oh, okay, well, I'm trying to get just – I just need these documents. Here's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, I, I got something going a few years back. Do you remember the guy that – was part of the uh, this was under uh, uh, no who was the who was the governor before uh, Asa? I, I've tried to Frank White. No, I tried. BB. <laughs> yeah, BB. I, I tried to block him from my brain, and and I'm doing a pretty good job of it. But the bottom line is, is this this guy hired? You guys will remember the story. Supposedly hired this woman to translate for him for the hearing impaired. Hmm. And they were paying her a bunch of money. And we found out through FOIA that she didn't – she was just moving her fingers because she didn't know how to do it in the first place. No way. <laughs> All right. So uh, she ended up getting fired, and we ended up saying the taxpayer's money, and that guy had to resign his position. Wow. That's what needs to happen. That's right. In, in your government yeah. when people are not doing their job. Well, let me, let me tell you, um, a little, when I was, the story we were talking about, about it's, you, know, they're, you, think they're, you think they're just avoiding you. Or do you think this, this attorney is really playing a game? And I, I, had a, I just met this lady and had a beer with her at the bar convention. And I, I emailed her. I didn't realize who it was because it was a friend of a friend. And she said, look, I'm not trying to not turn these documents over. This is Arkansas State Police. I'm not trying to not turn these over. I said, yeah, you are. You're, you're, you're 
just <laughs> literally spitting out exactly what the municipal league told you today. It's not specific enough. You don't have a limit. You didn't limit it to a time frame. And I, I said, uh, what is that? What are you doing? I need the documents. Are you going to turn on the documents or not? And then finally, when you file suit, they go. Ooh, okay, I've got those. Oh, the light came yeah, on. Yeah, they go, ooh, okay, we do have some responsive documents. Oh, and it and and by the way, don't come. I don't want to have a beer with you at the next bar convention. I'm like, <laughs> so it is personal. So she said exactly opposite of what she's – I'm not trying to prevent the documents. And by the way, my client um, was found not guilty because the records proved that he wasn't there. It was the wrong driver. And it was like, really? Okay, I needed these documents. I didn't get them through discovery. I got them through a FOIA request. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. Well, Joey, I'll let you go. It's early in the morning. We appreciate you joining us. What? Anything you guys, uh, you and, and Robert, are, are going to be working on about FOIA uh, in the next uh, General Assembly? Or, or are you keeping your, your cards close to your vest and you don't want to give the other side any inklings? Uh, we are transparency advocates, so we are transparent <laughs> in what we're working for All as right. well. And, and, and here's what we're working for, to stop the Municipal League and to stop the Arkansas Association of Counties trying to kill your transparency. Yeah. Sheriff Association. All right. Joy, keep up the good work. Robert, keep up the good work. We'll talk about this yes, more, sir. I'm sure, when we get into the uh, General Assembly, uh, when they start meeting on January 9th of next year. Thanks, Joy. Appreciate it, brother. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one, and appreciate you having me on. Sure thing. All right, Joey McCutcheon coming over from Fort Smith. By the way, the uh, Sheriff's Museum is on right on time for when it's going to open next year. I can't wait to go see it. U.S. Marshall's Museum? U.S. Marshall's. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks very cool. Oh, it's fantastic. It looks very, very cool. All right, Robert, stay where you're at. We'll come back. We'll finish it up here uh, for a Friday on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, coming up, 906 A.F. Bronco is going to be with us. He is a political cartoonist. You've seen him more than you know. Uh, We'll talk to him, and then I'll talk to you between 935 and 10 o'clock about movies that are out this weekend. I went and saw the brand-new one that's opening this weekend. I saw it last night. I saw Halloween Ends, and I'll tell you whether it's uh, worth spending your money on. But right now, let me tell you how to save some money. How about if you save some money on your uh, your health insurance? Because it's that time of the year again. Starts on the 15th, October 15th through sometime in November, uh, getting ready for your health insurance. Uh, Pat Davis wants to be your man, your health plan man, to help you save money. 30 to 50% just on health insurance. A health plan that's good for conservatives. A health plan that's great for self-employed people. An actual insurance plan, not a share plan. Uh, you can choose any provider in the nation. There are no copays. There are no, uh, well, there's going to be some deductibles, but they'll help you mitigate those and uh, lower those. And last but not least, if there's any excess money, it's not going to go to the insurance company. It goes to you. Wow, that's a that's a new thought. 501-605-6935 is the number uh, to call to talk to Pat Davis or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. So we have been saying for quite some time, go woke, go broke. Yep. All right. Uh, DC Comics 
has now announced that they are canceling the Superman comic Son of Cal L. It is a uh, you know a book series. It's a you know it's a it's a comic book, but it's got really nice paper and right. you know great graphics and stuff like that. Yeah, they launched it last year, and it's about a bisexual Superman amid poor sales. It, it wasn't selling. Uh, the series, 18th issue, due out in December, is going to be its final installment. The series saw a 17-year-old Jonathan Kent, the son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane, take on a number of social issues including climate change, school shootings, and the rescue of undocumented migrants. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The series even featured face coverings in an effort to help mitigate the spread of COVID-19 in fiction. All right. So think about this. They did everything that the left said was important, and they didn't make any money at it, so they're going out of business. Maybe they should have asked for some money on COVID-19 from the federal government with all the trillions of dollars that they doled out to companies. Just goes to show, Robert, go woke, go broke. Disneyland is losing Almost a billion dollars this year because now you go to Disneyland and you take your little, you know, Johnny and, and Susan with you, your your son and daughter, and they won't refer to them as male and female. Oh, man. It's going to cost them money. They're all into the, the pronoun stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's outrageous. You know, there's, some, there's a lot of this going on in, in a microcosm. Um, the Conway... Uh, school board up there. Yeah, that was a big fight. Yeah, man. They're, they're, people are going to now they're standing up going, okay, okay. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. If you want to use the the boys' bathroom, you got to have a set of male genitalia, okay? And vice versa. You want to use the women's bathroom, then you got to have a set of female genitalia. And um, it needs to be on your birth certificate. People are like freaking out like this is a big deal. Seriously? Yeah. They obviously hadn't read the story out of Virginia where the the guy's um, daughter was raped in a in a in a bathroom. Well, yeah. Well, what about mm-hmm. the story up there in Vermont? The girls' uh, volleyball team. Yeah. Uh, there was a boy who said he was identifying as a girl. Yeah. And he had, he admitted it to people that it was a joke. <laughs> uh, he he really wasn't. And uh, they were telling the volleyball team that they had to to uh, receive him into their locker room to yeah. change before matches and everything. Ridiculous. And this guy was saying things to some of the girls. And did he get punished? No. Oh, the girls' volleyball team was punished and told they couldn't use the locker room. How's that one oh, for you? Oh, man. Well, people have, people have had enough. And um, and FOIA was going to help expose some of this stuff, especially on a from a governmental level. What are they doing? That, you know, Joey and Rob exposed the CRT being pushed in the Fayetteville School District. I have yet to get information from the uh, Arkansas Athletic Association about oh, how they feel about boys identify as girls that want to be in girls' They've got sports. a lot of power. I've got several phone calls on them about um, transferring districts and how they have to wait out a year. There's that, 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 that Arkansas Athletic Association needs to be looked at. With a little more scrutiny. So I know that you're not a big, you know, big sports fan, uh, 
uh, Robert, but still, uh, these are things that are good for, for the life of me. I'm going to be totally honest here. Right. If you would have told me even 10 years ago that we would be arguing over gender and that gender, which is what's in your head, somehow actually makes you what you think you are. Yeah. And that you have to be allowed to be in the, the the boys' locker room if you're a girl and you think you're a boy, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. They just came out, to see, uh, the Selective Service just came out and said, hey, if you're a boy and you identify as a girl, you still got to sign up for Selective Service at 18. How interesting. Because you were born a male. Hey, there, we can do a whole show on... Selective service. The people. What are the recruitment in the military is down. Yes, it people is. People re-upping for the military is down. Uh, it's having it's because of all the wokeness. Crap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. My son wants to join, and he's questioning whether he wants to do it now because of this. Yeah. Final word today goes to Robert Steinbach. What do you have to say about this, Mister Steinbach? Well, Dave, you you bring up the critical distinction. It's this conflation between what's inside people's heads, and that's not a critique, and what's outside bodies. And so I don't care how you view yourself, meaning I don't – by by I don't care, I don't mean that negative way. View yourself however you want. View yourself if you're born with male genitalia as a female and vice versa or, or as a they. Or as anything else, I really knock yourself out, uh, go with God. But when it comes to categories for bathrooms, for what gets printed on your driver's license, for which prison uh, you should be sent to, for which sports team you should participate in, and for which shower you should be using, the stuff that's in your head, and more to you for that, is not what relates. The stuff, the parts, the equipment on the outside is what relates. This is a simple concept, but the left, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, wants to take words and dissolve the meaning of those words, eliminate the meaning of the, those words, and put vert, uh, entirely new meaning into those words to fit their political agenda. Yep. My, I couldn't have said it any better than what you just said, so we'll leave it at, at there. We'll leave it there. So what do you guys got coming up? Uh, you got to get back in front of Judge Fox. Is that right? Well, if he doesn't recuse himself, yeah. It's going to be – it's well, it's not funny, but it is interesting to watch these liberal judges, the bastion of liberal lawyers in these black robes to squirm when they try to interpret these statutes. I mean, this is simple stuff. It the, the law means what it says. It says what it means. And Rob and I were just discussing it the other day. Let me just say yeah. this. I, I was asked yesterday about why I have lawyers on my show. And I said, because the left, because they couldn't win elections, uh, were making and working through the court system to change the law. Yeah. And I said, we have to understand that, and I have to have people on my show that can explain it in a legal way about what they're trying to do and how many times it's nothing more than just a bunch of BS. Because, folks, if it looks like BS, if it smells like BS, and it's still hot when you step in it, it's BS. I'm just telling you. And that's why I have Robert on and I have Chris on. And guys, thanks for joining me Thank today. You, sir.
appreciate you. Thank Robert, you. thanks, bud. Of course. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. We got more coming up. Don't forget, 9 o'clock. We're going to be back. A.F. Branco is going to be with us. And I'll tell you, thumbs up, thumbs down on Halloween ends at 935. Friday show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you back with us for the final hour. And I got a special guest for us here on uh, this final uh, 9 o'clock hour for the first half hour of the show, at least. And uh, Tony Branco is going to be with us. He's a political cartoonist. You see him quite often on the Fox News uh, website. You go to foxnews.com, and at the end of rolling through all the stories, they have political cartoons. Personally, being the you know political guy that I am, I love political cartoons. We've had John Deering on many a time from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette talking about doing them. Uh, John, I think, is a little bit more moderate uh, than a lot of political cartoonists. There's a lot of political cartoonists out there that are liberal. That's not the case with Branco. Branco is a conservative. And, Tony, thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, am I correct? I was talking to Lars about that. Lars Larson's a good friend of mine. And I saw where he had had you on his show. And I said, hey, do you know how to get a hold of him? And he said, yeah. I'll uh, I'll send him a message. And I said, well, I appreciate it. And then you got in touch with me, and here you are on my show. Uh, you know, it, it's got to be tough to be a, a conservative in this business, isn't it? Uh, well, it originally started out. Thanks for having me on, by the way, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it, it, at first it was kind of hard uh, plowing, through the, plowing through the liberalism, but I'm here now, and uh, a lot of conservatives in the movement and in the, the conservative media appreciate what I do, and uh, and that, uh, where I'm at now is a good spot. Well, I like the new one today. I like that one about the Green New Deal and all the taxpayer money coming out of one uh, truck on the left side of the building and going into the building on the other side, the Democrats loading the money up on the big truck on the right side of the building. Absolutely. It goes right to what I think is happening with the climate change agenda. Uh, it's nothing more than a, um, a laundry service for the Democrat Party. Right. Any laundering service. 
Okay, so I'm a talk show host, and I'm always looking at what's going on, uh, you know, in in the news and whatever. Tell me a, a, a typical day for you, because you got to not only identify what it is that you want to talk about through your cartoon, you got to refine it down to its probably its most basic components and uh, show it in a, a humorous but serious way. Correct. Absolutely, you gotta you gotta distill what's happening right down to uh, you know to a point where people can look at it, get it, understand it, share it. Uh, I originally started this business uh, just trying to get a message out. On uh, started about uh, eleven years ago, two thousand ten, out of frustration. Uh, social media was just coming into effect, so I utilized social media to get my cartoons out into the public. At the time, I didn't expect much out of it. I was just frustrated with what Obama was doing, tearing up the country with uh, the, the Obamacare and that. Um, right now, I kind of feel sorry for liberal cartoons because they got to try to make sense of this. <laughs> How in the heck can you justify any of this? It's like we, it's like we, we got free admission to the greatest circus ever and if it wasn't so serious it's uh it's just amazing me. well it's me, anyway. it's pretty ludicrous to be honest i mean i never thought i would see a administration try to gaslight the uh, american people as much as this administration does i mean basically they look into the camera and they say don't believe what you're seeing Absolutely. They have the mainstream. You know, I've always, uh, they always say speak truth to power, mm-hmm. and that the media is there to speak truth to power. Well, now they are the power. They are the Democrat Party. Make no mistake about it. There is no difference between the mainstream media, that's CBS and this in the BC, CNN, New York Times. You go down the alphabet of the mainstream media, and they are the Democrat Party, and they are the power. So do you expect the power to speak truth to itself? Absolutely not. Guys like you and Lars and conservative cartoonists and all the podcasts out there have to do it, have to do that now. We have to rely on them to get any kind of truth out there because they're not going to do it. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a veteran. And we used to have a uh, saying when uh, you went into battle that uh, if the the enemy made mistakes, you could make a target-rich environment out of it. And that's exactly where we're at right now in politics. (laughs) As a conservative, it is a target-rich environment. I can't get through everything that I want to talk about. Absolutely. There's, there's, there's so much. That, and I think that's almost by design. Thank you for your service, by the way, Dave. It's almost by design that they're throwing this much at us. They, I think they feel desperation a lot. I think they have a, a one chance to consume this country with their ideology or whatever they're trying to do. And they're just throwing it all at us, one, hoping some of it sticks. Because in their mind, it's pr- progress progress towards the ultimate goal of total control and they continue to in it they hope hope most of it sticks 
But if some of it sticks, they'll just wait till the next time. We'll have a conservative government for a while. If, the, if everything goes as expected with the election, we'll be in there for a while. But we're not going to be able to clean this mess up in two years. No. And not without the presidency. And then even then, that's how much damage they're doing. And I try to uh, get that into all my cartoons. I try to make a message that'll spread and, and kind of bleed through the cracks of the mainstream media. All right, we got to my take, small way. Go ahead. We got it. We got to take a break. Let me ask one last question uh, before we go to the break, and that is: I understand you live over in Mississippi. No, I live in Washington State. Oh, I'm up in Washington State, so you're up in Lars territory. <laughs> yes, yes. He's right down south of me. Oh, okay. About a, yeah. Very cool. Well, very cool indeed. How do you make it? Well, now, um, let me just say, here's what I've heard. If you don't live in Seattle, then you're in the rest of Washington. You're in a much more conservative state. Is that right? Absolutely. It's about, I, I would say, about 90% conservative, other than Seattle, they have most of the population. But even, you know, along the I-5 corridor, I think it's all along there, tends to be a little bit to the left, the major towns and cities. Okay. So, I, 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 my, uh, my sister-in-law was from uh, Spokane, and uh, I understand there's a mountain range that kind of runs right there to the west of the state. And if you're on the east side of that mountain range, it's really conservative. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. If you're on the east of those mountain, Cascade Mountains, it's mostly conservative over there. Right. I'm not sure about the inner workings of Spokane, uh, how how the government's run over there, but uh, definitely the west side of the Cascades is Hmm. That's where I, I joined the military. I, I flew out of SeaTac. My uh, my brother was up there at McCord, and I decided that, uh, that I'd go I'd go to the from to, into the military. So I flew down all the way to Lackland Air Force Base. We all know what that's all about. Oh yeah, I, I joined uh, from Bellingham, Washington, okay. uh, back in the late se- or about seventy five. Wow. We were there about the same time. I joined in 1976. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so you're a young fella yet. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I look in the mirror and I go, who is that guy? It sure ain't the guy that said, I hope I die before I get old. I'll be honest about that. <laughs> That's the way it is. All right. Well, Tony, we're all fortunate for that. Yeah, really. Let's take a break. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't live up to what I was singing about. 9.15, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Let's talk to Tony when we get back about walk us through doing a political cartoon. We're going to do that. Branko is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll continue our conversation with him and have more to say with him when we get back. Don't forget about ICU protection. Last night, I'm glad I had ICU protection at my house. You know, I, I've been with uh, uh, Billy Mac's uh, business now for about six months. And about two, well, I can tell you, it was at 2.07 this morning. There was a huge bang out on my uh, my back uh, uh, deck area where my, uh, my above-ground pool is. And... Um, you know, I'm looking to see what it was. It set off one of my uh, window and, uh, uh, you know, 
pieces of, uh, of, of what is it I'm trying to look for? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm sorry, I lost it. Uh, you know, it, it was my sensor went off. There we go. I got it back now. And it scared me. I'll be honest with you. The way, you know, the way that crime has been going up here in central Arkansas, it worried me. But I went in and got my AK-47 uh, semi-automatic 12-gauge shotgun, and uh, I felt a whole lot better <laughs> once I had that in my hands, to be honest. Couldn't find out what had happened. I, I I told my wife I thought probably what happened, we've had some problems with some feral cats, and that somebody was in the backyard and maybe they had a little tussle or whatever and knocked something over. I'll look at it later when I get home. But, uh, you know, having that uh, security service uh, working on my house puts me at ease because I know they can't get through the windows without me knowing exactly what window they're coming through. Same thing with the doors. And I got cameras in some uh, some different places. So I can actually bring it right up on my smartphone and take a look at it and uh, see what's going on. So um, I went back to bed. I went back to sleep. I wasn't worried as far as that. Although I will tell you that I laid my shotgun up against uh, the night table in easy reach for me if something did go south. That's just the military in me, to be honest. Call up Billy Mack. He'll he'll talk you all through this. You'll figure out what kind of sensors you need. You'll figure out how many cameras you need, all of that. And always remember, you pay for his service each month, but you don't pay for the hardware. The hardware belongs to you. 501-205-1333 is the number. Uh, to give him a call at it, 501 501- 205-1333. That's I-C-U. The letters. I-C-U protection.com. Uh, 9.21 on a Friday. The weekend looms in front of us. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Tomorrow, 2.30 in the afternoon, the Razorbacks will take on BYU and they'll win this week instead of uh, and break this three-game losing streak. So, Come on, hogs, do it. And I'm not going to do spirit fingers right now in the hog chair. Just not going to do that on the air. I don't want to freak out, but I don't, Tony, I don't want to get him all freaked out if I do that. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, Tony, let, let's talk a little bit about doing uh, a cartoon. I have John Deering on uh, once in a while, and John is a friend, and he's a great guy. He's a great artist, too. Do you, do you dabble just in art in general? Well, originally, before I uh, uh, got back into doing cartoons again, uh, I started drawing cartoons where I really cut my teeth was in when I was working at a sawmill when I got out of the military. Um, I I was uh, I did cartoons about the pol- politics of the sawmill, huh. uh, and I would sign them guess who, so nobody <laughs> knew who, who was doing the cartoons for like two years that I was working there. So I guess so the man, I, I'd make fun of the management a little bit. I'd make fun of the workers if they weren't pulling their weight. You know, just different little things. And it, and it got to be almost a daily occurrence. I'd, I'd sneak a cartoon up on the bulletin board, and uh, they really loved it. But how I, where I come up with my cartoons is I, I probably have about... 20 drafts going all in at one time about the current situation or current things that are going on with Biden and the Democrats and their policies. And it's hard to pick which one I want to do because they're all important. 
but uh, I'll lean on one and, and get it out, and uh, that's about the process. Do a few drafts on it, um, try to fine-tune it, try to put what I need to get in it to get the point across, and, and that's about it. Sketch it out. Uh, I draw. I used to draw on paper. Now I draw on a Wacom tablet right into the computer and then do my thing to it there, which is it's a little quicker. Yeah, I got you. So one thing I learned about from John was that you all have a really good eye for picking out you know, things about the people you're drawing, and uh, you'll heighten those things and uh, make them more prominent. For instance, when you look at Biden, there's things that you'll see, what, you know, maybe a a little slack jaw or maybe that uh, there's not, everybody's not home behind the eyeball look that he has a lot of times. Do you do that? Do you look at at that and, and try to work it into the cartoon? Absolutely. When I do Biden, there's a few things I try to put in there and to try to accentuate who, and, and and get the essence of who he is. He almost always has a sippy cup in his hand. He almost always has a teleprompter with the Obama logo on it to signify that he's still an extension of the he's Obama's third term. I put a little blood on his hands, and the reason I do that is because of the disaster in Af- Afghanistan. Right. And I want to remember those 13 soldiers that died needlessly because of his policies. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, and I won't explain the, the fly buzzing around by him. Uh, I'll let people make up their own minds about the fly. <laughs> Okay. All right. You did you did a cartoon of I think it was you uh a few weeks ago where you had two versions of the American flag next to each other. Yes. Was was that you talk about yeah, that right. cuz I want I want number 1 I want to know is there a way of buying pieces of your cartoons for personal holding as as a as a person who likes what you do and uh, two where did that particular cartoon come from well where that came from is a lot of people keep calling our country a democracy and it's not in fact our founders were adamant about not making our country a democracy they wanted a representative government based Uh on a constitution so what we really are is a constitutional representative government and um and without that we and if we just went to a democracy we would be mob rule and the constitutional representative government is uh law and order is basically the rule of law whereas a democracy is just mob rule my in my opinion and i believe that's where our founders saw that going so they made sure that they put in uh you know uh, things that would checks and balances to keep that from happening. All right. And so I did that cartoon, which one is just American flag with the Constitution representative public, and then the other one is a, has a banana shape, kind of like a hammer, or like a sickle, mm-hmm. and then a hammer going across it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a way of selling those right now. I've, I've been looking at a couple of ways where people can go uh, uh, set up some kind of thing where people can order, um, you know, 
a poster of my cartoons if they want, but I, I'm not quite there yet. All right, we got, we got to get you there, man. I'm just telling you. And then, <laughs> you know, you, you need to sell it where people can get them to get your signature on them and things of that nature. It's not that I want to co- that I want to collect it. I want it because I like what it you say. I've got several John Deering's original stuff. He works on like a piece of cardboard, uh, white cardboard that he does his cartoons on. And every once in a while, I'll write to him and say, man, I really like that one. And suddenly it appears in the mail. (laughs) Oh, my. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I stopped drawing on paper uh, probably a couple of a few years ago uh, because of the process and how many cartoons I, I seemed like I had to do during the week, and I thought it'd be a little quicker. All right, to just do it right on. The, hey, next year we need street. to get you to come to CPAC. You know that would be fun. Yeah, you I should come. People that. would love to have you on the air. You know that they, you you'd be all filled up with interviews. I know I'd have you on the show. <laughs> Lars would have you on his show, and uh, there's a you know probably Hannity would get you on uh, as well. Oh my! So that would yeah. be it would be great. I just I just got back from Nashville. I was hanging out with uh, uh, Devin Nunes and a bunch of the boys down there. Um, uh, I think uh, Sarah Carter was there. I can't list them all, but cool. Uh, yeah, I was down there and hanging out with them for a little while. And we were having some kind of uh, uh, true social gathering. Um, uh, little Shin gave the show appreciation for the people on uh, true social. So that was fun. All right. Well, listen, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. Hope things are good out there in, in Washington State. Stay conservative and keep doing these great cartoons. Thank they you, are Dave. great. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And no problem. The next time I talk to Lars, I'll say I'll show my appreciation, too, for setting it up. All right. Yeah, buy him a cigar. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you later. We appreciate you, Tony. Thank you so much Thank for the you. truth that you get out there. It's the Dave Ellswick show. We got to get to news. Let's do that here on 101.1 FM. The answer. We continue. We've got uh, about 25 minutes left here in the show this week. Uh, coming up next week, uh, just so you'll be aware. Uh, our uh, Callahan, Judge Callahan, will be on uh, to sit down and talk with us about his run for the Supreme Court. That'll be on Monday at 9 o'clock. He'll spend an hour with us, and we'll talk to him. Uh, also, the power panel will be here. Uh, I expect to have uh, R.D. here. I expect to have Paul here. And uh, there's a couple other people I'm going to call and see which one uh, wants to come on uh, during that uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock two-hour segment to be part of it as well. And then we talk uh, during that time about all of the news that went on over the weekend and uh, get that information out to you so that you have it. We're uh, 25 days to November 8th now. Just doing a little house cleaning with you. And uh, early voting starts on the 24th. Speaking of the 24th, my special guest on the 24th at 9 o'clock is going to be Steve Landers. 
We'll spend some time talking to him. Uh, we'll reach out and see if the mayor from uh, Little Rock wants to come on as well. That'll be up to him uh, if he wants to appear or or not. Uh, we'll have some different people on during this uh, upcoming week. A couple people going to be on that are running for uh, the uh, school board in Cabot. They'll be with us uh, and uh, talk, talking to you about what they want to see happen on uh, the school board uh, there in uh, the Cabot area. I'm going to try to get somebody on uh, from the uh, school board in Conway to talk about the uh, transgender uh, decision that they made just the other night, see if they'll come on and talk a little bit about uh what their conversations have been uh, dealing with that at these meetings and uh, see what they have to say about that. So we got a lot of things going on. Things, uh, issues are going to start picking up a lot now because once we get past November 8th and uh, we know who's going to be where and who's going to be in the House and who's going to be in the Senate, who's going to be, the, of course, the, uh, the governor. We figure it's going to be Sarah Huckabee uh, is going to be in there. Uh, and so, you know, we'll talk to, to her about uh, what she's hoping to do. I want to get her on to spend a, at least a half hour talking about education. I think that's going to be a big deal uh, starting in January 8th when the General Assembly starts meeting will be over at the Capitol at least twice a week uh, in the afternoon. We'll uh, get rid of uh, Hannity uh, for a couple hours and we'll talk about what's happening here in the state of Arkansas. Keep you up to date on all of that and what uh, your uh, representatives and senators are all about and what they're trying to do. So all of that's coming and there's going to be a lot of different things to report on uh, and the place that you're going to hear it is right here. At 101.1 FM, uh, the answer. Uh, we'll 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 sink our teeth in deep into the uh, uh, general assembly. All right, so here we are, 20 minutes away to the top of the hour. In the last half hour on Fridays, typically we have Matt Smith on. He is in Atlanta right now. He couldn't join us. He had some meetings that he was doing. Uh, we talk to Matt again next uh, Friday, but we usually talk about the movies that are opening this weekend or that are at the theaters and uh, what you might want to go see, all right, because movies are a big thing that that people do. They go out, see a movie, have dinner, that kind of stuff. I uh, will tell you the big one that's opening this weekend is Halloween Ends. This is uh, the uh, third part of the trilogy that started back in, I think, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with Green uh, as the director and uh, McBride uh, being part of the writing team uh, for these Halloween movies. And uh, for the most part, uh, these three movies have been very good. They've been uh, very entertaining. And you, and you have to understand, Halloween is the consummate slasher movie. I mean, uh, Friday the 13th, pretty much a slasher movie, too. How long will it be before we see a new Friday the 13th? Who knows? It's all tied up in litigation now in the courtrooms. Uh, People saying, I devised the character of Jason because I came up with the character of Jason. Only I can make the next Friday the 13th movie. And then people who 
owned uh, the property, the name of Friday the 13th. Uh, you know, they want to make a movie, but, you know, if you can't have Jason, how can you do Friday the 13th? So there's a lot of uh, rigmarole going on with that. So don't hold your breath about it. I'm just going to warn you. Uh, I would be interested to see if they... Uh, you know, do something new with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, they were trying to reboot it, and it didn't work out real well uh, here a few years ago. So we'll have to see if they're going to try uh, to reboot that. Well, they rebooted Halloween, and it has been very, very successful. These three movies, and I'm I'm saying that counting in Halloween ends as well. It's going to have good box office, $60, $70 million, I'm sure, first weekend, uh, because people like the Michael Myers whole saga. But when you look at Halloween, when you consider that franchise, uh, it is the consummate uh, uh, slasher movie. It's a guy who wears a mask that appears out of the shadows and kills people. I mean, that's what Halloween is all about, and that's what people show up uh, to see. That's why I'm going to tell you Halloween Ends is not as good as I thought it could be, and, and it is the end. They bring a, a decisive ending to the three movies, but uh, getting there takes some time. I mean, it's almost two hours long, the movie is. And uh, most horror movies, 90 minutes uh, is about what I like because then they can jam in all the action and everything. Because I'm going to be honest with you, when I went saw Halloween Ends, I didn't go to see uh, three different stories that were maybe even four uh, that were, you know, laid on the plate in front of me. I just wanted to see Michael do what Michael does and what were the... Uh, people that were the main characters going to do to try to stop you. That that's the, the reason I go see those movies, and I I, en, I enjoy slasher films. Bottom line, I enjoy the slasher genre. Uh, the movie gets started. It takes thirty thirty five minutes to really get into it. I mean that's the key. Michael doesn't show up for about thirty five minutes. Why do you want to watch Halloween without Michael Myers? I mean, he he's the reason for the for the franchise. Come on, get him out there and let's get him let's get him going and uh, let's get the action started right away. It doesn't work that way. You got a guy that's you know um, they do a scene at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, it's a it's a tragic scene. And this guy is, uh, you know, he's called basic, basically a child killer, even though he was found not guilty. And the, the town mistreats him all the time. They bully him, basically. So you got that going on. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, look, I understand and Jamie Lee Curtis wants to be more than just a scream queen anymore. I mean, she was a scream queen. Queen in the Halloween one, Halloween two, uh, the one about the the prom and, and the the one about on the train and and all of that. She was the great scream queen uh, for those kinds of movies, and she wanted to move on and do some real acting, and she did, and she did other stuff. So you know, when she wants some depth of character in the Halloween movies, Jamie, we're going. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not looking for your acting chops 
<laughs> in Halloween. I'm just not. I'm waiting for you. You and and uh, Michael Myers have had 44 years of getting at each other. It, you, we want to see how's the ending of this going to happen. Then you got her granddaughter from uh, you know the the second movie, uh, you know, Halloween Kills, and she's living with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So we got to put up with that. And then this kid that I was telling you about that's been bullied, he becomes a disciple of Michael Myers. And I'll, I don't care. That's the bottom line. You don't have to throw in all that superfluous stuff. I don't want to. I don't even want to deal with it. I'm I'm more interested in the whole Michael Myers, Myers character. That's what the movies are about. So I'm going to tell you, B- minus for Halloween ends. Uh, is it a waste of your money? No. Uh, if you like the Halloween franchise, if you like what they're doing, that is the reason you go. Uh, Michael Myers, I mean, once you get past that first, I'm going to say third of the movie, it revs up good. It revs up good. Michael's in it. Michael's doing his thing. And uh, they age the mask a little bit. It's good. It's really it's a fun movie to watch. Enjoy it. I know the audience enjoyed it. You could have heard a pin drop when Michael finally came on the scene. Everybody looks at that guy uh, as a, this fictional character. And he's the boogeyman. I mean, they men- they mentioned that several times in the mo- movie. He's the boogeyman. So, uh, no, it's a good movie. You know, take your significant other and watch some blood. <laughs> How's that? All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish it up. I got some other movies to, to suggest to you, some family movies as well, like Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. It's a pretty good movie, I understand. We'll talk about it when we get back. Finish it up here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 946. Again, Matt will be back with me next week. He is in Atlanta taking care of business today. So uh, we expect him back next week at this time. So we'll look forward to seeing him then. All right. So what's some other movies that are out there? Maybe a family movie you'd like to take your kids to go see? Uh, that would be the PG-rated Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I understand this was a kid's book, and the kids loved it, and they have made it into a live-action movie. The Crocodile is all right. Crocodile CGI. But the bottom line is that it is very, very entertaining, and you might want to be looking at that if you're wanting to take your kids to, to see a, a movie over the weekend. Horror has made a big comeback here in the last few weeks. Of course, it's going to be Halloween here in just a couple of weeks. So uh, you have Halloween ends opening this weekend. Uh, last weekend, Smile opened on the uh, on the big screen i've gotten uh, a lot of good feedback from people about that movie and uh, uh, you might want to think about going to see it another horror movie that's out there is the barbarian and a lot of people who have seen the barbarian and by the way on rotten tomatoes 97 percent of approval rate uh they look at it as uh, kind of a, a new phase in uh, in horror, in that they're trying to do some different things uh, with it. You got a, a, a science fiction movie. Uh, they have updated the Stepford Wives uh, 
franchise, so to speak, with a new movie called Don't Worry Darling. I've heard uh, differing opinions about the movie, that it could have been a lot better, uh, but they didn't have... um, they didn't have the guts to go uh, the full Monty as far as that goes with that movie, you know, doing it. If you're going to there's some movies that if you're going to do them, you got to you got to jump in there and go all the way or people are going to look at it and say, what did I spend my money on this for? I'll give you a good uh, example about that. Uh, and it uh, part of it is uh, dealing with the, the whole a barbarian uh, movie is that uh, to talking you know ninety seven percent approval. Uh, a lot of people have walked out of this movie saying, you know, what did I just see? Because it goes all different directions, is what I've been told. So uh, you got to make up your mind if you want to get involved in a movie uh, like that. One that I've been kind of shocked with that came out and the critics have been just you know, ugly about is Amsterdam. I thought that was going to be uh, a, a, a darling of the critics, and it is not. So I'm uh, going to have to I'm just warn you about that one. Some people, most most of the critics do not like that movie at all, and the public, uh, it, they just barely scratched 60%, just so you know that as well. 60%. That's not good. Movie I want another movie I want to see the Woman King, Viola Davis. I think she's a fantastic actress. Uh, she's uh, doing a a movie about a uh, African tribe. Uh, she is the head of the the military of of that tribe, and their military held off several different African nations uh, from taking down their uh, particular. Um, Nation, so uh, I want to see that. I want to watch it. It kind of, kind of has a little bit of history behind it, and you all know I'm a big history buff as far as that. Don't worry, darling. Again, another movie. Yeah, you might want to see it. You might not. Uh, it doesn't, you know, doesn't go the whole way of the Stepford Wives, uh, and uh, then one that's playing over at uh, the Riverdale is Bros. Now, Bros has its place. It is. A, a romantic comedy about two gay guys. Okay? That, that's what it is. But it wants you to take it seriously. And I think that is why it hasn't done any... I mean, it really hasn't made much of a dent at all at box office. I think it did $7 million the first weekend that it opened. It's not doing very well at all. I do take exception... Uh, to the director and the writer saying that the the reason people aren't going to see bros is because they're homophobic. That's not Kate. Uh, that that's just not right. That's not true. Let me give you a, a case in point. Robin Williams, uh, back in the day, uh, did the Birdcage. You remember Birdcage? Uh, very entertaining movie, and it was about two gay guys. They were in a club, and uh, I think it was. I don't. I don't remember whether it was their son that they had they had raised between the two of them or their daughter, which uh, you know they were going to get married. These kids are going to get married, and they're going to throw the wedding party for them. And it was hilarious in parts. I mean, it was very very funny. Didn't keep me from going to see it. 
uh, Victor Victoria, another one. I didn't keep me from going to see it with Julie Andrews. So the guys who made bros may be what you did instead of zeroing in and saying, hey, it's about homosexuality. You need to come to it because it's about homosexuality. And you can show that you're, you know, uh, you're you're open minded and all the rest of it. Eh, No, that's not what gets people to go to the movies. It's got to be entertaining. So anyway. Just just make the move on that. All right, so that's what's playing over at uh, Riverdale. Halloween Ends, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, Smile, Amsterdam, The Woman King, Don't Worry Darling, Barbarian, and Bros. Those are the movies that you can catch over there. At uh, Cabot uh, VIP Cinema, Hot Springs VIP Cinema, Searcy VIP Cinema, Batesville VIP Cinema, uh, you're looking at Halloween Ends, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, Amsterdam, Smile, Don't Worry, Darling, Barbarian. Uh, at uh, Cabot, they've got uh, the Super Pets still on and Top Gun Maverick. It's still playing there as well. So uh, if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, you need to do it. I don't think it'll be back in the, on the big screen again this uh, coming uh, weekend. What's the big movie coming up next weekend? I'll be seeing it Thursday night. Tell you about what what it's like on Friday. It's going to be uh, Dwayne Johnson's new movie, Black Adam. I'll be going to see that and uh, telling you, you know, if I think it's worth your money. Halloween ends, worth your money. Just know that you're not going to be overwhelmed by the storyline, I don't believe. You will get into the movie when you get about 35 to 40 minutes into it. The whole disciple side story could have been an interesting part of the movie if they had worked it a little bit differently, but they did not. Uh, And uh, uh, it's an interesting sidebar to the whole movie. That wraps it up for the Dave Ellswick Show. Told you what you can do this weekend. Of course, at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, I expect you to have your your uh, chips and your, uh, you know, uh, uh, cheese to watch and sit down and watch the, the Hogs play against BYU. Fingers crossed, eyes crossed, toes crossed, hoping for a win, getting them back on the track uh, for this season. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on Monday. Uh, remember, power panel on, and then Judge Carnahan joins me at 9 o'clock. It's my special guest. He wants to be on the Supreme Court. Should he be there? We'll ask him the questions. We'll see what he says. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.